this is where I was meant to be. And so it's really opening yourself up to say, I accept what's happened. I accept where I'm supposed to be. And I'm just going to ride with it and just smile and know that I'm, I'm going to be good. So it's really just kind of accepting it and just opening yourself to all the opportunities. Hi, this is Sean Smithgall. And this is Taylor Stuber. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. We focus on all topics related to postgraduate training. From current events to advice, we bring you, the listener, up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Last episode, we discussed what to do if you don't match during phase one of the match in the first part of our two-part series, Phase Two and Beyond. So if you haven't checked out that episode, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to it. During this episode, we will discuss what to do if you don't participate or match in phase two. Candidates are going through the process right now. And as of this episode, rank order lists are now open for phase two and due April 7th, with match day being a week later on April 14th. Now, we want everyone to be optimistic about their chances in phase two, and it definitely helps match candidates to prospective programs. But the reality is phase two tends to be more competitive than phase one, and many applicants will go unmatched during this phase. Yes, if you look just last year, only about one third of the applicants that were eligible to participate in phase two actually participated in the mat. Many took other forms of employment, but Also, many did not receive any interviews. And of those that did participate, only about 20% matched during phase two. While this news can be rather sobering, we are here to spread positive vibes only and discuss options of what to do beyond phase two. Positive vibes. (laughs) I like that. Returning as our guest today is Auburn's very own Gladys Tucker Hurd, who is a curriculum coordinator at Auburn's satellite campus in Mobile, Alabama. Gladys, it's great to have you back. Oh my goodness, I am super snazzed and jazzed to be back with you gentlemen again today. Gladys, we couldn't be more snazzed and jazzed to have you here as well. So I want to start today's episode by discussing receiving results of phase two. A small minority, as I mentioned earlier, will actually receive the good news. But as we alluded to earlier, the majority will receive the news that they were not hoping for. Walk us through what you think applicants should do if they find out they didn't match during phase two. Breathe. It's okay. Remind yourself you have been here before. Remember, that day that you thought was that worst day of your life, you survived that one. Dagnabbit, you're going to survive this one today too. Okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with how you're feeling. It's okay to be sad because you know that plan that you had for yourself, that vision that you've been thinking of that you had for that future, it's going to be different now. And there's nothing wrong with grieving for that. And you need to do that. And that's okay. Because once you do, you're going to feel this release and this realization, it's going to hit because you know what? You're still going to graduate from pharmacy school. You're still going to have accomplished your lifelong goal. This moment in time, this this right now, this isn't going to define you. And now you get to open yourself up to endless opportunities. You can do so many different things with your degree. The residency aspect, that's not the end all be all. 
you have an opportunity to now go find something else that you can do with your degree that you didn't even realize you could do. You can go look for a different type of job. You can go volunteer in the meantime. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, this wasn't for nothing. <laughs> and don't forget, you still have to study for board. So there's still that. So at the end, you still have so many more things that you still have to accomplish and that you still get to do. So this isn't the end of the world, but it's okay to be sad today. And there's nothing wrong with feeling sad like that. But then tomorrow you get to wake up and tomorrow starts a new day. So you get to live again tomorrow. I don't think I could have heard that worded any better than how you just put it. Yeah. And I think this is a good point that you made just to keep an open mind and be optimistic about the future. Like you said, it's not the end of the world and not the end of their journey. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I want to discuss the post-match scramble for a little bit. Gladys, did you participate in the scramble or consider it? And then how does that process work? I really did put some thought into it. And I'm not sure. I have this mentor. I don't know if you know him. Really great kind of guy, I guess. Thinks, thinks really good of himself too. But <laughs> I do have this great mentor. And he and I sat there and we discussed it. And after really putting some thought into it, I realized that if I had gone into the post-scramble, you know how I said before, really think about why you're doing this. Are you doing it because you want that residency? Or are you doing it because you think you just have to? I think at that point I would have just done it because I thought I would have had to. It wasn't going to be for me. I looked at the programs and I thought this wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to give everything of myself to them. And I don't think I would have gotten much from them at that point. So I chose not to move forward with it. But that's not to say that that might not be for someone else. That just for me wasn't what I was looking for. I know that other people have gone through that process. How exactly it looks, don't want to lie, I'm not 100% sure. The new scramble is a whole nother beast. I mean, there's probably a handful, maybe even less than that, of programs left after phase two because they match, what, like 90-something, 90 99% of them? I think when I looked at it, there were six or eight programs. Yeah, six or eight programs. And just imagine out of the thousands of people unmatched who are probably trying to get one of those. And then you got to think to yourself too, not anything about those programs. Sometimes it's just the worst coincidence. But why have those programs gone unmatched in two phases? That's got to raise some questions too about whether or not is it worth applying to those programs or trying to reach out to those? Yeah, those are all great points. So kind of thinking about the scramble or the implications of just going into the job market, what kind of timeline were you on after phase two? What sorts of things were you considering and what were the thoughts you were having? What were the actions and steps you were taking and who are you talking to? I had great conversations with my mentors, one in particular in Huntsville. <laughs> you keep mentioning so, this person. I'm, I'm dying to know who it is. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know him. Little blonde dude <laughs> from Missouri. Um, but <laughs> so I had great conversations with my mentor about what I could do. I was very fortunate that I actually was an intern at Walgreens. And so when I didn't match, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not really sure what I can do. But I spoke to my district manager and he was like, offered me a position on the spot. So I was very fortunate that I was able to do that. And I thought, you know what? I genuinely enjoy it. So I was able to pick up a position there. And so it was just more of thinking, okay, I know that no matter what I'm going to do, I'm going to enjoy myself because every day is my blessing. You know, everybody talks about you only live once. No, you only die once, Dagna, but you live every day. So it was kind of taking those steps to say, all right, well, what am I going to do to make my day matter? And I had even told myself, well, you know, I can still do the patient care because I was going to volunteer at the free clinic. So I can still do all these things I enjoy with my degree. It's just a matter of just finding different avenues with it. 
So still looking at what do I want to get from it? What do I want to do with it? And still finding the way to do it. And I think that's what everyone, that's what you really want to do. It's what was the purpose of getting my degree and what do I want to do with it? And how can I still accomplish those things? And you can still do all of them. So you just didn't have the residency attached to it. That's okay. Now I get to do it on my free time when I can do it instead of being having to do it <laughs> when I don't have free time. All right, gentlemen, enough of the the heartbreaking and heart-wrenching face to matching and non-matching. Now it's time for trivia. Trivia. Okay. <laughs> now it's time for Sean to do a little something and get a little question right. Maybe. <laughs> That's what we're hoping now. That's what we're hoping. So, gentlemen, this question is for you. And, Taylor, we're going to let you go second because we're going to give Sean all the help that he can get. <laughs> okay. Gentlemen, what musician won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 2016? Is it A, Bruce Springsteen, B, Stevie Wonder, C, Aretha Franklin, or D, Bob Dylan. I actually know this one. <laughs> what was the year again? 2016. Yeah, it's Bob Dylan. That's my final answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with D. Was D Bob Dylan? I'm, I'm doing Bob Dylan. It is Bob Dylan. Yes! I knew that. <laughs> so, shout out to one of our followers who's not even a pharmacist, Adam Gorsuch, who's my best friend. He's obsessed with Bob Dylan. So, I have a little... It's, it's like rubbed off on me. <laughs> so I know both of you got it right, but we're going to be excited because, yay, Sean's on the board. Well, we all know Taylor only got it right because I said, one, I know it, and I said the answer. So, you know, otherwise <laughs> he probably would have missed it. <laughs> Y'all are so ridiculous. I love it. All right. I want to go last today, Taylor. You ask first. Okay. So I have a really good question now. I'm a big fan of Star Wars. So how much does the Chewbacca costume weigh? I'm not going to give you any multiple choice. So you just have to come up with the answer. Last time we were in Disney, he followed us through the entire Star Wars section. <laughs> Do I just have to be close? Is it going to be like an arranged? Do we just have to be off by like, if you, like five pounds? I'd say if you're within three pounds, you can have three the answer. Pounds? That's too close. 55 pounds. 72 pounds. Wow. You are both way overestimating. It's only eight pounds. What? What? Eight That's pounds. a lie. It's eight pounds. The hair alone would weigh, what, 15? I don't know. I'm just guessing. What's it made of? I guess hair. <laughs> <laughs> Our one unspoken rule for PGP trivia is to not ask pharmacy-related questions. So this is not a pharmacy question, but it does have some pharmacy history. It. Uh, this is a soda question. And as many of our listeners probably know, soda fountains are popular in pharmacies back in the heyday, with a lot of leading sodas being invented by pharmacists. So, a can of soda on display at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum flew on the STS-51F mission in 1985 and was the first soda in space. This soda was also created by a pharmacist. What is the brand of soda? Is it Coca-Cola, Dr. Enough? Pepsi or Dr. Pepper? Can I answer first? You can. It's Coca-Cola. That's what you think. What do you, <laughs> what do you think? Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper? It's actually Coca-Cola. Yeah, did knew you that. know that? I, know, I knew that one. 
Sure you did. So I still maintained my lead. So they're all made by pharmacists. Actually, Dr. Enough is not made by pharmacists. I think it's made by a businessman. But Dr. Enough, that's really popular back up in East Tennessee. We love that stuff. I've never heard of Dr. Enough. Oh, I'll have to get you some. It's really good. I thought that was a lie. I thought that you just made that up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's a real soda. It's a, it's, it's a regional soda. It's not made everywhere. I can't wait to have some with you next time I see you. You know, when we start recording these episodes on YouTube, we'll drink some Doctor Enough. Not a sponsor yet. Back to a few more questions. So Gladys, as we've heard by now, things didn't exactly work out the way you thought they were going to initially. But ultimately, you still found a job you loved. What actions or attitude do you think led to this? And what would you tell unmatched applicants? You know, I was fortunate that I had a jazztastic mentor who encouraged me to apply to become a Walmart scholar. And I was selected to attend the AACP meeting in Chicago the summer of 2019, right after graduation. I really wasn't sure if I should go because every other scholar in attendance was either in a residency program or in a fellowship. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to own this. I'm going to have a blast while I'm there. But at that meeting, I was able to learn about different things that they were doing. And then I was opened up about this position that they were having down here. And I learned all about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. It's kind of in the realm of everything that I loved. I get to use my pharmacy degree, my education degree, and get to do everything I love all at one time. What's the worst that can happen? Pish posh. I don't get the position. At least I gave it a shot. So I think that really helped. It's opening your mind up to say, you know what? I may not be as comfortable because I didn't know if I wanted to go to the meeting, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then opening up myself to say, you know what, I'm going to apply for this position. And if it doesn't work out, then you know what, it didn't work out, but at least I gave it a shot. Really having that open-mindedness to just say, I'm going to give it a shot because I have the opportunity to do so. I think that's what you really want to just open yourself up to. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I'd been in a residency program. I wouldn't be here right now doing exactly what I want to do. Honestly, I wanted to go into a residency program to pretty much get a position that I'm in right now to do what I'm doing now. I would not be able to be doing this if I had been in a residency program. So it all, like I said, when I told y'all before, you are, you will end up where you are meant to be. This is where I was meant to be. And so it's really opening yourself up to say, I accept what's happened. I accept where I'm supposed to be. And I'm just going to ride with it and just smile and know that I'm, I'm going to be good. So it's really just kind of accepting it and just opening yourself to all the opportunities. I love that. That's yeah. Great. Just being positive. And I know you, it was hard at the time to be positive, but ultimately you trucked through it and ended up where you're supposed to be and couldn't have done that if you didn't have the attitude that you did. I also had a really good mentor. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, that short blonde guy, right? A <laughs> little guy from Missouri. Uh, is it possible to pursue postgraduate training next year after a year out in the workforce as a pharmacist? What advantages and disadvantages do graduated pharmacists have over other students going through the match? Oh, most definitely. I actually have a classmate who didn't match my year, but did a residency program the next year. He was able to have more experience and he was able to actually get to know the residency program director at the program he applied to better because he was able to have that year of experience under his belt so that when he actually applied, not only did they know him better, but they knew his skill set a lot better. 
So it gave him that advantage over other applicants that were applying. And it actually gave him a wonderful opportunity to kind of get to know other programs and realize that some of the ones that he had applied to before, he was quite grateful that he did not obtain a residency position in because he saw the dynamic that that class had and it just really wouldn't have worked for him. So those are the other little things that you don't ever really think about is sometimes the, the class that you may be with, it may not always be roses and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think something else like you've mentioned in our previous episode is that really if, if residency training is, you know, something that you are passionate about and you know, hundred percent that that's what you want to do to go for it. And I think you have to kind of ask yourself, is that something that I still want to do? And a lot of that passion can come out in when you're ap applying the following year as well, if that's something that you're still, still interested in, because you always get the question during residency interviews, you know, what are you going to do if you don't match this year? And I think it's easy to give the response, well, I would apply again next year, but would you really? And the, this kind of sh showcases those that really would. I'd say maybe one disadvantage with reference writers, if you're trying for an acute care position, it's going to be hard to get those recent references. I mean, you probably could still pull back from the your APPE years, but it's going to be hard to get some of those references that can speak about your clinical capabilities in more acute care situations and things like that. That doesn't mean you still can't have good references from other colleagues and maybe even people to show that you're really good in terms of time management and really good at functioning in a care team with you know, like technicians and yourself, but you're going to miss out on some of those, some of the variation in, in some of those references. One of the other disadvantages I can think of is if you are spending that previous year working in a community setting, you may not be up to pace on guidelines because you haven't had the opportunity to keep up to date with maybe what's been going on since you've been working in, a, in that type of setting. So you may need to be catching up with what's up to date in pharmacy practice. Mm -hmm. So this kind of just flows right into my next question. How can those pharmacists make themselves stand out while working in anticipation of next year's match, say if they maybe not have that clinical job that they were expecting? flowing right off of what Gladys just said. And so one of the questions that programs will specifically ask them, how did you stay up to date in your year or your three years working? Pharmacy school is so condensed. You learn so much and it's all mostly up-to-date topics and the most up-to-date guidelines. How do you stay up to date? In my opinion, just subscribe to some services like Journal Watch or programs that where you get just the snippets and the up-to-date information and you can read just the, the abstract or something like that just to keep up to date with new emerging evidence. One of the ways that you can also keep up some of those clinical skills is to volunteer. There's so many opportunities where you can volunteer at clinics, some of the free clinics around the area, and you can keep up those communication skills with patients because sometimes depending on what kind of setting you're in, you may not have the opportunity to really sit down and communicate with patients very often. But if you want to have that opportunity, you can always just call in a clinic. And I think one final point I'll make is just that you can take that year to really reflect on reasons that you might have not matched and kind of revisit those things, whether it be where you're applying to, maybe your interview skills could improve and you could work on that during that year. Maybe you need to revamp your letter of intent. So there's a lot of things that you can really do in the meantime to you know improve your application and your status for the next year. So lastly, what's Gladys, what's your biggest piece of advice or encouragement, maybe wisdom that you have for applicants who don't match in phase two? I promise that as gut-wrenching as this experience is, and believe me, 
it is quite humbling. You will end up exactly where you are meant to be. I think you couldn't have put it any better. Thank you, Gladys, for being so authentic and truthful with us here today and last episode. It's been a pleasure of having you as our first returning guest on The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Y'all, I have had an absolute blast with the two of you. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. Remember, you can listen to us on all major podcasting apps. And don't forget to check out the links in the description below if you want more information or answers to frequently asked questions. If there's anything in this episode that we didn't talk about that you want to know more about or you want to engage us more, you know, reach out to us on our social media pages and let us know what your thoughts are. 